That's amazing. It just blows me away, so we're thankful for that. At the end of service last week, I gave you a scripture from the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, and um, it wasn't my intentions to be emotional about it, but I was overwhelmed with the love of God, my beloved. It's he who stands at the heart, your heart's door and knocks. And it's not to reveal anything wrong with you. He simply wants to sit down and dine with you, fellowship with you, feast with you. And he said, if you'll let me in, that's what I'll do. I'll feast with you. Um, so listen to the voice of the beloved. You'll hear that again in the message. We have been on the topic of open for the last four weeks. Each Sunday this month, we've looked at something different that needs to be opened or that he is opening. Week one, we gave attention to that our eyes need to be opened or awakened and aware of what we already have. Week two, we need to have open ears, giving our full attention to his voice. Last week, we talked about opening our hearts to his perspective. And our hearts here is our imagination, so we need to open our imagination to his perspective. And today we're going to talk about open doors, specifically an open door that God has set before us. So would you say this with me right now? Thank you, Father, for eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to conceive, and a mouth to confess all the good things that you've provided for me through Christ. I say that as a confession, which means I'm, the word confess means to say the same thing. So I declare and I say the same thing that the Lord has said about me, that I do have open eyes to see, and I do have open ears to hear, and I have a heart that's my spiritual womb to conceive in my imagination his perspective. And then I confess with my mouth all of the good things that he has provided for me. Please. Do not allow old disappointments to hold you back from walking into new opportunities. I'm convinced that more people are afraid of letting go of the past than they are stepping into something new. It's not a fear of something new. They want that. They desire to step into those new things. But it's when we look back at past disappointments and doors that are closed, I'm going to give you something about that here in a minute, that it keeps us from walking into new dimensions and new uh, levels. Go with me to Revelation, the third chapter, the last book of the written word. Chapter 3, verse 7. Christ is speaking, and he's telling the angel or the messenger that's over the church in Philadelphia, which is located not in Pennsylvania, but in old minor, uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And he says, write to the messenger the following, to the congregation in Philadelphia. For those are the sol these are the solemn words of the Holy One. Who's the Holy One? Jesus. The true one. Who's that? Jesus. The one who holds David's key. Would you circle that, underline that, bring your mind and attention to the key of David? How many of you have ever heard the key of David? Okay. It's only mentioned two times in all of Scripture. One of them is here in Revelation, the third chapter. David's key. 
who opens doors that none can shut and who closes doors that none can open. So this key of David obviously is a key that opens up doors that no one else can open up and it closes or locks doors that no one else can open. So let, we must find context to what is the key of David. It's a specific key. It just doesn't say that there's a key that opens a door that no man can open and it closes a door that no man can close. So what is the key and who holds that key? Go to Isaiah 22, 22. Now in the context of Isaiah 22, I think around verse 20, he mentions Elohim. And Elohim is a prophet, a priest during that time period uh, of Isaiah. And it's, but Elohim, when you break down his name, is a type of Christ. So whatever is said in the verses to follow is about Christ. Because even when we read the, New, the Old Testament, listen to me for, carefully for just a second, in this time and in this day, when we read the Old Testament, we should only be reading it to find Jesus. Someone posted something this week, and, and it's okay, it's not wrong. Uh, we all were at different places in our journey. But the only hermeneutic, the word hermeneutic means interpretation, the only interpretation of Scripture is Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, the thread and the theme and the topic, the volume of the book is written of him. So when I go to Isaiah, thank God for the history of Isaiah, the prophet of Israel, but I'm not looking to find what happened to Israel and then say that there's going to be dual fulfillment for what's going to happen to me. The, what the fulfillment of the scripture is, is Jesus. So when it goes to, down to verse 22 of Isaiah 22, it says, I will place upon his shoulders. Who's the his, him here? Jesus. We can go back to Isaiah the ninth chapter, and he says the same thing. Upon his shoulders, the government will be placed. That He didn't change that. This is not someone different. He's talking about Jesus, that I will place on his shoulders the key to the treasures of David's palace. There it is. That's David's key. He will open doors that no one can shut, and he will shut doors that no one can open. So the word key here is kalis. This is a key that specifically opened the king's chambers to treasure. That should be helping somebody. It denotes possession of a key with the power and the authority to open and shut doors to new realms. If you came to the king's palace specifically because the scripture tells us that the king, he was set upon the throne of his father David, and this key of David symbolically is the key to the kingdom that Jesus holds the keys. This word kalise is a specific key that opened the king's treasure. So if I'm the king and I've given the key to the chamber rooms of all of my treasure over to Scott, he now possesses the key and he has the power and the authority to open up the chambers where all of the treasure are. Not only where the treasure are is, but there are lots of other doors into areas of the kingdom that you have not yet walked into that he has the key to open. Uh, Jesus is the key man. 
He's the key man, but he is the key man. He holds the keys. The scripture tells us that he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It says in Revelation that he holds the key to the abyss. There's many keys that throughout Revelation that you will find that he holds the keys to. Can somebody just shout hallelujah that Pastor Jamie is not the key holder? My wife said real big hallelujah. You know why she said that? Because I lose keys all of the time. I'm constantly losing keys. You can ask my co-workers at work how often I lose keys. It's a horrible habit. I've got several sets made now placed in different locations. And I forgot where those locations are. But <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm not the key man. Jesus is the key man. You're not the key man. You're not the key man. He holds the keys. He holds the key of David. That Revelation 3, 7, he speaks to the angel and tells the angel to write down the message to the congregation and tell them that I hold the key and I open doors that no man can open and I shut doors that no man can shut. He has the power and the authority to open doors of revelation, to treasures, to the favor of God and opportunities and so much more. So go to the very next verse in chapter 3 of Revelation verse 8. Jesus is still speaking to John the Revelator. I know all that you've done, talking to the church at Philadelphia. Now, behold, look, see, I have set before you a wide open door that no one can shut. Now, this scripture was very, very popular in my growing up days because it was a scripture of revelation that my dad's mentor had given to him when, it, when he was looking to start a church for a location uh, and God gave that location and the revelation came and it was an open door that no man can shut it. And I'm thankful for that, but that's not what the scripture is talking about. Thank you, thankful for the application of that scripture in a real life situation. But to really know, like Lisa was saying, surface truths, there's some deeper truths and meanings. Because this is a specific door that he was opening up. And I hope we can learn together this morning. Jesus is saying to you, I have removed all locks and barricades. I have swung open, I have opened up widely a door to you. That's what Jesus was saying here. The word open, here in Revelation chapter 3 verse 8, is the Greek word anoigo. And it means to stand open. It's the picture of new opportunities. It means to give or grant access from one place into another place. If I am here and I want to go beyond that door, to, I can't get there without opening up that door and there will be, I will be in another place when I go beyond that door. Make sense? In the book of Acts, we see God opening prison doors on multiple occasions. Doors that were granting access from one place, bondage, imprisonment, into when, when the door came open, then they stepped from one place, bondage, captivity, imprisonment, into another place, freedom. 
deliverance. No longer bound. The Greek word for door here is thrua. Like through, but thrua. It's a large, solid door. I'm trying to give you a picture. Such doors were usually locked with heavy bolts that slid through rings that were attached to the door frame. When such doors were opened, it provided access that was normally restricted and now hence denotes opportunity or a passageway into a new realm. Somebody say new realm. A new level, another dimension. Mm. He has opened a door into the treasures of the king. The key of David that Jesus possessed has opened up a door into the treasures that speaks of abundance. I've told you here recently multiple times and I'm going to keep telling you that the original intention, the original plan of God for you as his child is abundance, provision, and blessing. Blessing, provision, and abundance. Jesus said it, that the plan of God, I have come to give you life, but not just life, what kind of life? Abundant life. That's the intention and the plan of God. Why aren't we living an abundant life? The door's open. The door has been set has been set before us and it is open. Matter of fact, Psalm 78, 23 says, you have opened the doors of heaven to us. The, the word door is mentioned in the scriptures over 180 times. Often it symbolizes opportunities, breakthroughs, and access to new realms of understanding and experience. So, Revelation 3 and 7 and 8 told us that he has the key and he has opened a door before us that no man can shut. Context flowing into Revelation chapter 4 now. Verse 1. I'm going to read it from the Mirror Bible. Talking about co-seatedness. I, I want you to see something. And then John says, oh wow. What I see takes my breath away. A wide open door, one translation says portal, into a heavenly realm. Go back to week one. Open your eyes so that you can see it. It's there. But we have to have open eyes to see it. He, he says to John here, I want you to see something. The, then he says, the first thing that I heard was a voice addressing me. It was distinct and clear. Like the sound of a trumpet, it captured my attention, inviting me to enter. Week two, we have to have open ears to hear that clear, distinct voice, and it grabs our attention. And when we hear it, it is an invitation. Jesus is always inviting you to take this journey with him. He's always inviting you. We are hidden in Christ. Christ is in us. And as we abide in Him and He abides in us, we're on this journey with Him. And He's constantly inviting us on this journey with Him. Here's the invitation. Come up here. The mirror says it this way. Ascend into this realm 
and I will show you how everything coincides with what you already have. Now, everybody stop what you're doing and look up here for just a second so we can get this concept and travel together. You have to get this picture out of your mind of a heavenly realm being here and a portal being opened and him inviting you up somewhere. I'm not trying to blow your theology away, but what the invitation is, this ascent into this realm is to ascend from a fallen mindset into this mindset of Christ that you are who he says you are. Lisa said it just a few minutes ago. It's identity. And if you continue down here with this fallen mindset where you're working and laboring and toiling, isn't it interesting that Jesus would say to us in Matthew's gospel that the lilies of the field do not worry about where they're going, how they're going to get their clothing. The birds of the air do not worry about where they will get their food or their shelter. They are confident that their creator will take care of them. And it says, this is the language. They neither toil nor labor. So if the birds of the field and the, fly, uh, the air and the flowers of the fields don't worry and toil and labor, why should you, child of God, be in a fallen mindset where you're constantly trying to work to earn God's love or to earn a blessing or favor? I don't show you favor because you're good. I show you favor because I'm good. That's the Father speaking. I'm not talking about myself. He doesn't look at you and want your goodness to bless you. It's out of His goodness that He blesses you. His favor flows from His heart of loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, what people do now is at this moment they turn me off and they don't hear what I'm about to say. Because they, all they want to go around saying is, well, he doesn't think that you have to do anything. You're just a couch potato in the kingdom and you can just sit there and do whatever you You, you can. And you will go to heaven. But you're not going to have a very fruitful, abundant life on the planet. Your afterlife is secure when you've believed, but buddy, you're living hell on earth. And here's what I have to say. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Not by good works, but unto good works. So we do co-labor together with Christ and showing our fruit among men of His righteousness in our life. He's produced, we bear, good fruit. Open your eyes to see it. Open your ears to hear it. And receive the invitation. Come up. Ascend to this realm. Now, some of you may have a particular version of the Bible that would say to you, come up here and I will show you what you need to do next or I will show you what is to come. Let's just speak to the book of Revelation quickly. When it comes to the book of Revelation, personally, your pastor, me, I am of the persuasion that most of it has been fulfilled. Don't get shocked on me. This is one of the areas where that I believe I can give you evidence to why I believe that. The Greek word here is meta, M-A-M-E-T-A. It's used here, but it's often mistranslated to mean after this. 
So if you will come up here after this, I will show you what to do next or I'll show you what's to come. Um, actually, the verb tense and the verb phrase for the Greek word meta that is used here means with this or coinciding with. John is writing here referring back to Revelation 3 verses 20 and 21. I stand at the door and knock. If you will let me in, I'll dine with you. And part of that, coinciding with that, is the fact that you are co-seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and the door has already been opened to you and it coincides with your co-seatedness. That was a mouthful. Let me say it this way. This wide open door is a phrase in the Greek. Now, quick English lesson. We have three tenses of verb in the English language. You tracking? Present tense, past tense, and future tense. The Greek has eight tenses plus masculine and feminine and non-gender words. And if you don't understand what tense of the verb that is being used with what gender of the word is being used and it becomes mistranslated, it means completely something different than what you've been told that it meant. So this wide open door phrase is in the perfect passive participle of that Greek word, anoigo. Remember I told you the word anoigo means open. And it's perfect passive tense. The form of this verb now denotes an action which has already been completed in the past but regards the effects of what took place in the past as being effective in the present. So, he is not going to open a door for you if you do such and such, A, B, C, and D. He has already opened a door for you. When did he open that door for you? The finished work of the cross. His death, his burial, his resurrection opened up a portal. I believe that the portal was opened at his baptism. I believe that when he was baptized and he came up out of the water, and the scripture says in Luke that the heavens were rent and the voice of the Father spoke, and the Spirit descended like a dove. There you have the Trinity, and the heavens were rent, and we've been walking under an open heaven. But the reality of that open heaven came to pass at the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ to be seated by the Father at His right hand, where you and I are now seated in Him. Not just with Him, but we are seated in the heavenly Christ right now. So what coincides with that is we have opened up the door of our hearts and He has come in. The invitation is we have ascended. What He's trying to get you to understand is the door of heaven has been opened so that you can ascend in a mindset to a place that you believe that you are literally co-seated with Christ right now. And you are not earthly minded, but you are heavenly minded. So you're not trying to get to the kingdom, but you're trying to get the kingdom to come here. That's an open door, and no man can shut it. Matter of fact, Christ himself is the door. In John 10, he said, I am the door. So he opened himself, and we must ascend into the realm of the kingdom, the realm of Christ, where we are seated in him. Now, if this scripture is broken down in each of the verbs and tenses, you would find out also that it is not in the future. 
Why? Because it's something that happened in the past, but the effects of what happened in the past are still, still going on today. It's just like if I earned a billion dollars in my lifetime and I leave it as an inheritance to my children, they, they're not going to get it until I die. And there has already been a death, and so you're not waiting on an inheritance when you die. You have an inheritance because he already died. But not did he only die, he rose again, and he ascended, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's handing out blessing upon blessing, gift upon gift. Hmm. And it is not, nor is it, prophetic of a future event. Why? Because it has already taken place. And the verb tense in the Greek is evidence of that. How many of you like king and country? Or king and country. I, I like to listen to king and country. They have a new song. What are you waiting for? What? I love it. Because what are you waiting for? What are you praying for? What are you saving for? What the, the, for me, what it, that whole song is about is we've always waited for something after we die. It'll be grander by and by. It'll be on the sunny banks, sweet by and by. Mama's mansion, I'm coming on over. Ethel, this is the big one. And people are frustrated. They're worn out. They're exhausted. And what most have done in, that, in America is they've quit. Church attendance was down 17% before COVID. It's down 40% since COVID. And people who were engaging online over half of them are no longer engaging online. So we not only have lost church attendance, but we have lost church participation because people are not even watching online anymore. And that I'm not saying that to condemn. I'm saying the fact is I believe that we have condemned people for too long. We've made them feel guilty and ashamed. We've given them a set of rules to follow that it's too hard to follow. And then it changes from day to day, whatever the hot topic is. And then if you leave one church and go to another church, you get out from underneath the rules of this church, but now you have to learn a new set of rules at this church. I lived that way for 37 years of my Christian life. And I've said it this way. The, my favorite prayer was, I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... Lord, I hope I've confessed everything and done everything that you told me to do because if I haven't, then I'm going to hell. Because I felt condemned. Even when I eliminated things from my life that I felt were sin, then they added things that I had to do. You had to read an hour. You had to pray an hour. You had to read, pray, witness, and obey every day. And if you were on the front row, but now you're on the back row, you've backslidden. And even if you were sick and you missed Wednesday night, you know where I'm going. Open doors often symbolize access to blessing opportunities in the new realms of life. These doors are pathways through which the Father's favor and provision flow. His desire is to pour His love on you. Like wine for you to drink, like oil upon your feet, that's His desire for you. I believe that we block it because of our mindset and we don't feel worthy, and we really don't believe that he's that good, and so there are open doors in front of us that we have yet to walk through where the favor of God is profusely abounding. 
upon his people. He's still pouring it out. Your mindset of that door in front of you. Open doors can also represent God's guidance and leading in your life. Psalm 25 verse 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are of loving kindness and goodness and truth and faithfulness. How many of His paths? All of His paths. But you'll never walk on those paths if you stand and look at the open door. He opens doors of clarity and direction. Open doors may be a representation of freedom and deliverance. Circumstances, addictions, bondages. God opens doors to release us from where we are to lead us into freedom. It's like the children of Israel in Egypt for 400 years and he opened up the Red Sea and it was an open door for them to walk on dry land into freedom. Acts 16.26, the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas are in prison. They begin to praise and sing. And God opens, it says, the earth shook and all of the prison doors were opened. Open doors can signify an invitation to deeper understanding and revelation. Here's the problem with that. Some want revelation as long as it agrees with what they already know. Jesus is not afraid of your theology. He wants you to journey with him. He opens doors to give us insight and to reveal his plans and his ways to us. Open doors are often opportunities for us to share the good news. Can I say that again to the people of God at Grace Life? We need to be sharing good news. Everywhere, every day, with everyone. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, but there were many adversaries. This wide door for effective service, this was a great uh, opportunity. It was massive. It was enormous. The word effective here means a powerful force that is ready to be set in motion. And he didn't open the door. It says it was opened unto him. So can I tell you that God is going to open unto you doors of opportunity to share the good news with friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and people that you come in contact with. And it will be massive. It will be enormous. It will be a wide open door. And you'll know that it's God. Then there's one other thing that you have to open. What is it? Your mouth. He'll fill it. But when the door opens, open your mouth and share the good news. Doors of opportunity are opening to you. Doors of promotion, healing, deliverance, finances. And the right, I'm not talking to you, Siri. The right people. Can anybody say, man, the doors are opening to you to the right people. How many of you have ever heard God said that when he shuts one door, he opens another. It's not in the Bible. Uh, sorry, but it's not. Can I give you the quote? You can look at the screen and follow along with me. When one door closes, another opens. But we so often look so long and so regretfully at the closed door 
that we often do not see the ones that are open for us. Alexander Graham Bell. Not God. Truth to it. So much truth to it. I believe at the cross, by the blood of Jesus, that He was opening to us a brand new covenant by the shedding of His blood. But at the same time, simultaneously, He was closing a door to the law. And I believe that the Scripture in Revelation that says, Behold, I've set before you an open door, and Jesus is that door. And if you'll step through it into a new covenant, you'll experience new realms, gain a deeper understanding, and a revelation of who He is. But we have so regretfully and so long looked back at that closed door the Bible tells me in Revelation that the doors that he's closed no man can open but religious spirits have gotten on people and we've got spiritual crowbars trying to pry open the door back into a system that he completely fulfilled he doesn't want us to go back there that's why he shut the door and he said no man can open it that door has been closed behind that door is the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats. That if that would have worked, we would need no need for another covenant. Behind that door are 613 laws, 10 commandments, an oral tradition that binds man. There's, and the administration thereof is death. He closed the door on death he opened up the door to life. We must stop looking back at the doors that are closed. He has set before you an open door. It's in front of you. Take courage. Walk through it. Standing at an open door never resulted in experiencing what was beyond the open door. Walking through that open door brings new experiences new realms and new empowerment to walk with him in this journey I want to say five things that I believe walking through that door will do for you number one it will benefit and profit you no doubt about it when I stepped through that door Christ is that door I stepped into him he came into me he took his, up his abode in me he doesn't have there's never going to be an eviction notice it's been beneficial and profitable to me. Like I told you last week, I'm enjoying life. It will validate who you are in Christ. It will bring glory to God. It will promote peace and happiness in your relationships. And it will continue you on a perpetual path of abundant living. Man, there's something awesome about the Lord opening up a door. But you got to walk through it. I hear the Lord saying to you as you rise to your feet this morning, ascend into this next realm. Step through the open door. Back in 2002, I was only 12. Just joking. Back in 2002, I preached a message entitled Beyond the Open Door. 
my home church was having a faith promise campaign and we were asking people we've told them for years that this was an open door and no man can shut it but let's step through that open door I reviewed that message this weekend as I was studying boy full of condemnation full of arrogance full of demanding people to do things never telling people how much supply that they had in God I mean I preached from the revelation I had I'm not beating myself down but I'm thankful that I did step beyond that open door 12 years ago when he showed me a new and fresh realm because you can ask Lisa I was trying to pry the door open that had been shut I was comfortable in my work and my labor for God see I wasn't that I didn't want I wanted to experience everything that she was telling me about what I was reading about but I still wanted to pry that old door open behold I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it but don't forget that he shut a door that no man can open so quit laboring and toiling it's so much I said it last week it's simple but it's not easy just walking with God it's simple what I believe the church needs is courage I believe we need courage because if we will get courage to step through these open doors you'll find contentment I hope I've made sense to you this morning and if you will just meditate for just a moment and Jennifer if you will sing we will meditate and just invite the Holy Spirit to let him grab your attention right now. <laughs>